Warning. This week's escape pod contains strong language and strong sexual content of a sort. Escape pod 237. February 7th, 2010. Today's story, Roadside Rescue, by Pat Canadlin. Hello, and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. As mentioned in last week's, um, I mean Monday's, episode, we're continuing a theme. The theme is road stories. This one's a little different from the last one. We present Roadside Rescue by Pat Cadigan. Miss Cadigan lives in England and is one of the seminal voices in the cyberpunk movement. She's had several novels in print since the 1980s, focusing on virtual reality and mind-machine interfaces. I think the best known is Tea from an Empty Cup, set in a virtual Japan. This story first appeared in the late great Omni magazine in July 1985. So, for just a few dollars added to your insurance premium, you too can have story time. Roadside Rescue by Pat Cadigan Barely 15 minutes after he'd called area traffic surveillance, Etan Carrera saw the big limousine transport coming toward him. He watched it with mild interest from his smaller and temporarily disabled vehicle. Some media celebrity or alien. More likely an alien. All aliens seemed enamored with things like limos and private SSTs, even after all these years. In any case... Etan fully expected to see the transport pass without even slowing. The navigator, not driver, limos drove themselves, hardly glancing his way, leaving him alone again in the rolling, green, empty countryside. But the transport did slow, and then stopped, cramming itself into the breakdown lane across the road. The door slid up, and the navigator jumped out, smiling as he came over to Etan. Etan blinked at the dark, full-dress uniform. People who worked for aliens had to do some odd things, he thought, and for some reason put his hand on the window control, as though he were trying to roll it up. "'Afternoon, sir,' said the navigator, bending a little from the waist. "'Hi,' Etan said. "'Trouble with your vehicle?' "'Nothing too serious, I hope. I've called surveillance, and they say they'll be out to pick me up in two hours at most.' "'That's a long time to wait.' The navigator's smile widened. He was very attractive— Hollow star kind of handsome. People who work for aliens, Etan thought. Perhaps you'd care to wait in my employer's transport. For that matter, I can probably repair your vehicle, which will save you time and money. Roadside rescue fees are exorbitant. That's very kind, Etan said. But I have called, and I don't want to impose. It was my employer's idea to stop, sir. I agreed, of course. My employer is quite fond of people. In fact... My employer loves people, and I'm sure you would be rewarded in some way. Hey, now, I'm not asking for anything. My employer is a most generous entity, said the navigator, looking down briefly. I'll get my toolkit. He was on his way back across the road before Etan could object. Ten minutes later, the navigator closed the power plant housing of Etan's vehicle and came around to the window again, still looking formal and unruffled. Try it now, sir. Etan inserted his keycard into the dash console and shifted the control near the steering module. The vehicle hummed to life. Well now, he said, you fixed it. That smile again. Occasionally the connections to the motherboard are improperly fitted. Contaminants get in, throw off the fuel mixing, and the whole plant shuts down. 
Oh, Etan said, feeling stupid, incompetent, and, worst of all, obligated. You will be needing rescue now, sir. Well, I should call and tell them. Etan reached reluctantly for the console phone. You could call from the limo, sir. And if you'd care for a little refreshment... The navigator opened his door for him. Etan gave up. Uh, sure, sure. This is all very nice of you and your, uh, employer. What the hell, he thought, getting out and following the navigator across the road. If it meant that much to the alien, he'd give the alien a thrill. We both appreciate this, my employer and I. Etan smiled, bracing himself as the door to the passenger compartment of the limo slid back. Whatever awkward greeting he might have made died in his throat. There was no one inside. No one and nothing. Just go ahead and get in, sir. But, uh, my employer is in there. Somewhere. Smile. You'll find the phone by the refrigerator. Or shall I call surveillance for you? No, I'll do it. Uh, thanks. Etan climbed in and sat down on the silvery-gray cushion. The door slid partially shut, and a moment later Etan heard the navigator moving around up front. Somewhere a blower went on, puffing cool, humid air at his face. He sat back tentatively. Luxury surroundings. Refrigerator, bar, video, sound system. God knew what use the alien found for any of it. Hospitality. It probably wouldn't help. He and the alien would no doubt end up staring at each other with nothing to say, feeling freakish. He was on the verge of getting up and leaving when the navigator slipped through the door. It shut silently as he sat down across from Etan and unbuttoned his uniform tunic. Cold drink, sir? Etan shook his head. Hope you don't mind if I do. There was a different quality to the smile now. He took an amber bottle from the refrigerator and flipped the cap off, aiming it at a disposal in the door. Etan could smell alcohol and heavy spicing. Probably the best spiced ale in the world, if not the known universe, the navigator said. Sure you won't have any? Yes, I... Etan sat forward a little. I really think I ought to say thank you and get on. I don't want to hold you up. My employer chooses where he wants to be when he wants to be there. The navigator took another drink from the bottle. At least, I'm calling it a he. Hard to tell with a lot of these species. He ran his fingers through his dark hair. One long strand fell and brushed his temple. Etan caught a glimpse of a shaved spot. Implant. So the navigator would be mentally attuned to his employer, making speech or translation unnecessary. With some, genders are relevant. Some have more than one gender. Some have more than two. Imagine taking that trip if you can. He tilted the bottle up again. But my present employer, here, asking him what gender he is, it's like asking what flavor you are. Etan took a breath. One more minute, then he'd ask this goof to let him out. Not much you can do, I guess, except to arbitrarily assign them sex and... Didn't say that. Pardon? The navigator killed the bottle. Didn't say anything about sex. Oh, Etan said wondering exactly how crazy the navigator might be and how he'd managed to hide it well enough to be hired for an alien. Sorry, I thought you said that some of them lacked sex. Never said anything about sex. Gender, I said. Nothing about sex. But the terms can be interchangeable. Certainly not. The navigator tossed the bottle into the disposal and took another from the refrigerator. Maybe on this planet, but not out there. Etan shrugged. 
I assumed you'd need gender for sex, so if a species lacked gender, they'd, uh... He trailed off, making a firm resolution to shut up until he could escape. Suddenly he was very glad he hadn't cancelled the rescue after all. "'Our nature isn't universal law,' said the navigator. "'Out there!' He broke off, staring at something to Etan's left. "'Ah, my employer has decided to come out at last.' "'Out there!' He broke off, staring at something to Etan's left. "'Ah, my employer has decided to come out at last.' The small creature at the end of the seat might have coalesced out of the humid semi-dark, an off-white mound of what seemed to be fur as close and dense as a seal's. It would have repelled or disconcerted him, except that it smelled so good, like a cross between fresh-baked bread and wildflowers. The aroma filled Etan with a sudden, intense feeling of well-being. Without thinking, he reached out to touch it, realized, and pulled his hand back. Going to pet it, were you? Stroke it? Sorry, Etan said, half to the navigator and half to the creature. I forgive you, said the navigator, amused. He'd forgive you too, except he doesn't feel you've done anything wrong. It's the smell. Very compelling. He sniffed. Go ahead. You won't hurt him. Etan leaned over and gingerly touched the top of the creature. The contact made him jump. It didn't feel solid. It was like touching gelatin with a fur covering. Likes to stuff itself into the cushions and feel the vibrations from the ride, said the navigator. But what it really loves is talk. Conversation. Sound waves created by the human voice are especially pleasing to it. And in person, not by hollow or phone. The navigator gave a short, mirthless laugh and killed the second bottle. So, come on. Talk it up. That's what you're here for. Sorry, Etan said defensively. I don't know exactly what to say. Express your goddamn gratitude for it having me fix your vehicle. Etan opened his mouth to make an angry response and decided not to. For all he knew, both alien and human were insane and dangerous besides. Yes, of course, I do appreciate your help. It was kind of you, and I'm saving a lot of money since I don't need a roadside rescue now. Never called it off, did you? What? The rescue. You never called to tell surveillance you didn't need help. Etan swallowed. Yes, I did. Liar. All right, Etan thought. Enough is enough. I don't know what transport services you work for, but I'll find out. They ought to know about you. Yeah? What should they know? That I make free repairs at the bidding of an alien hairball? The navigator grinned bitterly. No, Etan's voice was quiet. They should know that maybe you've been working too long and too hard for aliens. His eyes swiveled apologetically to the creature. Not that I mean to offend. Forget it. It doesn't understand a goddamn word. Then why did you want me to talk to it? Because I understand. We're attuned. On several frequencies, mind you. One for every glorious mood it might have. Not that it's any of your business. Etan shook his head. You need help. Fuck if I do. Now finish your thanks and start thinking up some more things to say. The bread and flowers aroma intensified until Etan's nerves were standing on end. His heart pounded ferociously, and he wondered if a smell could induce cardiac arrest.
I think I've finished thanking your employer. He looked directly at the creature. And that's all I have to say. Under more pleasant circumstances, I might have talked my head off. Sorry. He started to get up. The navigator moved quickly for someone who was supposed to be drunk. Etan found himself pinned against the back seat before he realized that the man wasn't jumping up to open the door. For a moment, he stared into the navigator's flushed face, not quite believing. Talk, the navigator said, almost gently. Just talk. That's all you've got to do. Etan tried heaving himself upward to throw them both off the seat and onto the floor, but the navigator had him too securely. Help! he bellowed. Someone help me! Okay, yell for help. That's good, too, said the navigator, smiling. They began to slide down on the seat together with Etan on the bottom. Go ahead. Yell all you want. Let me up and I won't report you. I'm sure I can believe that, the navigator laughed. Tell us a whole fairy story now. Let me go or I swear to Christ I'll kill you and that furry shit you work for. What? the navigator asked, leaning on him a little harder. What was that, sir? Let me go or I'll fucking kill you! Something in the air seemed to break, as though a circuit had been completed or some sort of energy discharged. Etan sniffed. The bread and flowers aroma had changed. More flowers, less bread, and much weaker, dissipating in the ventilation before he could get more than a whiff. The navigator pushed himself off Etan and pumped down heavily on the seat across from him again. Etan held still, looking first at the man rubbing his face with both hands, and then turning his head so he could see the creature sliding down behind the cushion. We scared it, he thought, horrified, bad enough to make it hide under the seat. Sir, Etan jumped. The navigator was holding a fistful of currency out to him. The denominations made him blink. It's yours, sir. Take it. You can go now. Etan pulled himself up. What the hell do you mean it's mine? What the hell do you mean it's mine? Please, sir. The navigator pressed one hand over his left eye. If you're going to talk any more, please step outside. Step out! Etan slapped the man's hand away and lunged for the door. Wait! called the navigator, and in spite of everything, Etan obeyed. The navigator climbed out of the transport clumsily, still covering his eye, the other hand offering the currency. Please, sir, you haven't been hurt. You have a repaired vehicle, more than a little pocket money here. You've come out ahead if you think about it. Etan laughed weakly. I can't believe this. Just take the money, sir. My employer wants you to have it. The navigator winced and massaged his eyes some more. Purely psychosomatic, he said, as though Etan had asked. The implant is painless and causes no damage, no matter how intense the exchange between species. But please lower your voice, sir. My employer can still feel your sound, and he's quite done with you. What is that supposed to mean? The money is yours from my employer, the navigator said patiently. My employer loves people. We discussed that earlier. Loves them, especially their voices. So? Etan crossed his arms. The navigator leaned over and stuffed the money between Etan's forearms. Perhaps you'll remember what else we were discussing. I really have no wish to remind you, sir. So? What's all that stuff about gender? What's that got to do with... 
Etan's voice died away. Human voices, the navigator said. No speech where they come from. And we are so new and different to them. This one's been here only for a few weeks. Its preference happens to be that of a man speaking from fear and anger, something you can't fake. Etan took a step back from the man, unfolding his arms and letting the money fall to the ground, thinking of the implant, the man feeling whatever the creature felt. "'I don't know if you could call it perversion or not,' said the navigator. "'Maybe there's no such thing.' He looked down at the bills. "'Might as well keep it. You earned it. You even did well.' He pulled himself erect and made a small, formal bow. "'Good day, sir.' he said, with no mockery at all, and climbed into the transport's front seat. Etan watched the limo roll out of the breakdown lane and lumber away from him. After a while, he looked down. The money was still there at his feet, so he picked it up. Just as he was getting back into his own vehicle, the console phone chimed. "'We've got an early opening in our patrol pattern,' surveillance told him, "'so we can swing by and get you in ten minutes.' "'Don't bother,' Etan said. "'Repeat?' I said, you're too late. Repeat again, please. Etan sighed. There isn't anything to rescue me from anymore. There was a brief silence on the other end. Did you get your vehicle overhauled? Yeah, Etan said. That too. And that was our story. I'm going to be interested in how the feedback goes on this one, because I can see the story being heard so many ways. Was this a funny story? Was it a disturbing one? Is it about culture clash, or is it about sexual violation? Is it possible to be sexually violated if you don't even think of it as sexual at the time? If you see it differently later, does that change what already happened? I don't have the answers to these things. I think it's possible that I used to. I used to think that sex was a fairly straightforward concept, with a lot of permutations maybe, but it still wasn't hard to point at something and say, yes, that's sex, or no, that isn't. That was before I started getting interested in a lot of different people, and really started listening. Gay people, transgendered people, kinky people, or people who simply take a very psychological approach to sex. Or their cyber sex and phone sex and all sorts of things that only involve mental intercourse between people. Sometimes you really have to start at square one to figure out how other people perceive what you perceive. And it's not an anybody's right or anybody's wrong situation. Anything that's about us, we get to decide for ourselves. If you bring other people into it, some conversation beforehand really helps. I'd say, ask me how I know, but I think that's a totally different podcast. This podcast, on the other hand, is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. All of the rights are reserved by our authors. If you like this week's story, please tell a friend. But not too angrily or fearfully, unless your friend really gets off on that. Or blog about us. If you really liked it, if it hits you right there, you can also leave a donation for us via the PayPal link at our site, and help us support our authors. Also check out our sister podcasts, Podcastle for Fantasy and Pseudopod for Horror, also with their .org domains. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from George Bernard Shaw, who said, We are not taught to think decently on sex subjects, and consequently, we have no language for them, except indecent language. We'll see you next week. Until then, have your own definition of fun. Fun.